0: Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's Lead Hership Global Program. I'm so excited to welcome you to today's program where we have the opportunity to speak with Dr. Cheryl Lentz. She's an accomplished university professor, a TEDx speaker, an international best-selling author and consultant. And today we're going to be talking about leading from a position of strength and the gifts of failure. You know, good leadership comes from people who have fully healed from the past and arrived at a place of balance and wholeness. Your leadership is a gift to you and others, and the world needs you to thrive so that you can help others thrive. Great leadership flows from a place of wholeness, authenticity, and resilience. The best thing you can do for those you lead is to prioritize personal healing. You know, workplaces need to become places where we not only grow and develop as a professional, but they also need to be places where we can heal from the past and learn from our own failures. So how can you begin the journey of healing and deepen your own emotional reservoir? How can you lead authentically and with compassion? And how can you do that when you haven't even focused on your own healing? Well, I got to tell you, we are so lucky today to welcome Dr. Cheryl Lentz to Lead Her Ship Global as she explains how to lead in a healthy, balanced, and authentic way. Listen in as Dr. Lentz talks about leading from a position of strength and the gifts of failure. Now, before we dive in, let me tell you just a little bit about Dr. Cheryl Lentz. She is a dynamic speaker who intensely connects with her audience, having one foot in academia and the other in business and the entrepreneurial space. Known globally for her writings on leadership, refractive thinking, and failure, she has been published more than 50 times with 26 awards. As an accomplished university professor, TEDx speaker, and consultant, she's an international bestselling author a top-quoted publishing professional on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox. Dr. Cheryl Lentz, we are so excited to welcome you to today's program. Thank you so much for being here with us.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Very, very grateful.
0: And to begin with, I would love for our audience to get to know you a little bit. So what's led you to have such passion around this idea of leading from a position of strength? And really understanding the gift of failure.
1: This goes back to my college days. Um, I have the distinct, perhaps, honor and privilege. I didn't think of it as at this time, at this way, during that time when you're 20-something. But I was part of the uh, organ program. And I was the only undergraduate and graduate program at the University of Illinois. And I've been playing since I was five years old. And suddenly, my sophomore year, as I was expecting my juries, which when you're a musician, you go ahead and you take a a final exam, as it were, to move you up to be an upperclassman. My professor comes into my practice room one day and says, you're done. Find a new line of work. And he walked away. And I can still hear the click behind me as he walked out of my practice room. And I sat there with the most incredible look on my face going, and what just happened here? My entire career vanished in the span of an instance. I call it the day the music died. I didn't have a plan B. I had been playing since I was five years old. My dream was always to be this um, amazing organist like um, at the Notre Dame or Holy Name Cathedral or somewhere around the world. And again, I was thought I was doing well. I wasn't even allowed to take my juries. I was just completely dismissed from the program. And that was it. And at 20-something, it was pretty difficult, and I did something that no one should ever do, as I walked away. As I went to my counselor, I found a new night of work, and I was forced to walk away from a program. I never considered other options. I never had a mentor, never had a coach, never had anyone. It was just I walked away, and my point was, you don't want me, I don't want you. And I left. Now, I've had an amazing career, which is where the gift part comes from. We have all experienced the idea of forced compliance with COVID. And the challenge was, is he was the gatekeeper. My professor was a elite among Olympians, if you will. And he had been playing for 40 years. If you're looking for one person's opinion, his is the one to get. But here's what I heard. And here's what I didn't hear. I heard I suck. I heard I was the failure. I heard there was something wrong with me. And I went through more than 35 years believing that. And I pushed it way down, which is what most of us do. If we have some kind of a failure, most of the time we walk away, we avoid it because it was painful. It nearly crushed me that day because I had no experience up to that point. And there was no one to help me. There wasn't a mentor. There wasn't someone in my parents were actually relieved because they didn't want me to be another out of broke musician. So there wasn't a whole lot of support for any of this. And so I literally turned my back. The The diploma, which is at the top there, says something very different than my dreams ever said it was. It still says the University of Illinois, but it doesn't say the School of Music, and it doesn't say as an organ performance major. And this is the part where it gets really interesting, and this is what my TED Talk explored, because it was the idea of I thought I failed, and that because I could not go forward the way I thought it should look, and the way my professor, what I heard was I sucked. I wasn't good enough. What I should have heard, what I'm not as good as. I was the only undergrad. These folks are just brilliant. And they're around the world to this day being amazing musicians. But I wasn't as good as. It didn't mean I was good. And so one of the tips that I can offer some of your listeners to be able to look at is what I often do with my my students. I've become a college professor over 22 years. I probably would not have gone that path. Had this not redirected me and to have a different skill set for a path that I never knew existed? I became a sorority girl. I was a fraternity little sister. I did all kinds of things that were never in my purview because I was able to pivot. I'm not a fan of that word, but to be able to force compliance to go a different direction. And apparently, if you believe in the universe, the universe needed my talents in other areas. But here's the interesting thing when you separate yourself, the person, From your skill, I didn't know how to do that back then. I thought they were joined in the fact that because I couldn't go forward, somehow there was something wrong with me. There wasn't. Took me three decades to figure out. I was just fine the way I was. My organ playing not as good as. I mean, these were amazing musicians. Just because you can play doesn't mean you're Mozart. And I didn't have the Olympic acumen, if you will. I was better than I was. I've been playing since I was five, but not as good as they were. So if you're trying to train for the Olympian this was it but he didn't help me process it his bedside manner was horrific he just walked away and left me to fend for myself but what I learned was he did me a favor I didn't see it at that time but the fact that I failed back then was a real gift and years later I tried to go back and thank him for it I could you know really work on his bedside manner But I became the professor and now look at how I treat my students. So being able to help them separate the skill from the person and to be able to understand what failure internalized. Failure is not a journey. Failure is not a destination. Failure is not the outcome unless we let it. And therein lies. I've made an entire career. Who knew about something that happened when I was 20? But here's the interesting part that's really amazing is 35 years later this year, I was able to adjust that failure. Now, not the shortest, not the smartest person in the you know in the tool shed, so to speak. Certainly not the quickest. But I had had a lot of my friends who were like, Cheryl, you know, you deal with a lot of your students and you tell them about perseverance and you tell them to keep going. How are you going to adjust this failure? I said, All right, that's fair. And so back in November, and I had given away everything. I gave away my organ shoes. I gave away my music. It's just I I didn't want any examples left to remind me of that pain. And so this year I went back and I bought my organ shoes and I went to the director at my church and I said, do you think I could still play and see if I've got any of it left? It took me three months. But here's the interesting thing. Fate has a wonderful message for me. Valentine's Day is when I got my shot. And I went to the church, cried all the way there, cried the night before, cried when I got there and was able to play for the first time. Uh, first time in 35 years, I fell back in love with me and my music, and it was the most magical day to be able to sit there. Now, I'm in the church by myself, and I sat there, and playing the organ is very complicated than most other musicians because of all the things that are going on, but it was really interesting because I didn't realize the director was in the church. And at a certain point when I sat there, and again, tears were streaming down my face. And at some point, it became happy tears because I realized there was some magic still here. And the director came up to me, and he goes, wow, we should all be so lucky to have that kind of talent 35 years later after having never played in that long of time. Now, of course, every once in a while, how good were you? I'm like, lousy. (laughs) I had more clunkers than you could think about. But what he heard was courage what he heard was the ability after 35 years to stand up and see if i still had it because it was it was a journey for me it was to see if i had the ability to meet that biggest fear i had ever had to know that i wasn't good enough and that somebody told me that i could have i had to have a different career because they were the gatekeeper i could have done something different because here's the difference being a musician is not what you do Being a musician is who you are to your core. I said goodbye to me for 35 years. Now, when I look at the message, the universe kept trying to tell me. Um, I have a pair of red shoes, just like Dorothy had from the Wizard of Oz, and I keep them on my desk. And it's to remind me, I always had the answers, Linda, always. But I didn't believe in me because somebody else told me I wasn't good enough and I bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And what was I going to do at 20, right? You have, they are the gatekeepers. If I wanted to graduate and I wanted to do it in four years, I had to find another line work. And I did. But it's really interesting that things started to change when I went from my head to my heart. It was painful. It was grueling because we often will avoid it, right? That's what we do when something hurts. If the stove is hot, we don't touch it. If the breakup is tough, we avoid it. And for 35 years, I did just that. The universe has a funny sense of humor. November of 2019, right before COVID, a baby grand piano found me. I mean, found me, literally. I was interviewed to be its steward for the next 30 years. It was a family piano. And I remember being interviewed for the honor and privilege to buy it. It sits in my great room as we speak. And I remember that's when music came back to me and the universe kept sending me messages. And it's amazing what we can't hear, what we won't see, what we refuse to even deal with. And most people I know have that avoidance. And why? It hurts. I can tell you the pain when I first touched that keyboard, both times, both the piano and both the church. Can't quite put a pipe organ in my house. (laughs) But I remember that. And I looked at myself going, how lucky am I? And I'm one of the few who could correct that failure. And failure is getting, success is really getting up one more time than you got knocked down. If we look at the Edison, right? Edison, 998 ways how to build a light bulb. 997 didn't work. I stopped at one. I didn't keep going. I didn't find another professor. I didn't go to another school. I finally believed it. I said, and I walked away. And that changed my life for 35 years. So now I look at the messages. They were all there. I couldn't hear them because I was too busy being the professor, right? The logic part, which most of us do. We try to make practical. Love is not practical. Music is not practical. What the universe wants for you and your gift is not practical. It's purpose-driven. It's love-driven. The question is, do we have the courage to listen? I didn't. And now I spend a lot of time with my students, trying to teach them how to overcome fear and failure and to find the courage to do it.
0: I love that, Cheryl. I would say that, you know, what's interesting about your story is that I think it resonates with so many people that have a debilitating failure, that have some sort of overwhelming misstep, setback, failure, And they internalize that failure Mm -hmm. as something that indicates that they're not competent, they're not good enough, they're not loved, they're not worthy, they're not valued. And they begin Mm -hmm. to integrate that message. But the most successful people I know see failures as simply building blocks. They're lessons to be learned. They're opportunities to examine what is, what could be, and gives them the opportunity to take that next step fearlessly in whatever way they determine. So if in your instance, you had seen that as a learning opportunity, you so could have said, okay, so what are my options?
1: I exactly. I never even away. considered them. Never even in a prior I just took that one answer and said, okay, never questioned it, nothing, and just let it eat at me for 35 years. Right.
0: And it's not as though that that prevented you from being successful because Uh look at everything you've accomplished, look at everything you've become, look at all of your achievements, look at all the lives you've impacted. It's been a glorious career with incredible legacy of of men and women that you have impacted over the course of your career. I mean, it's stunning, but it's interesting because at that juncture, at that Particular turning point, you had options and you chose a path that certainly has given you riches beyond compare, but in a different way than what you initially suggested. So, when someone experiences a really stunning defeat, a debilitating failure, what would you recommend that they do to reframe that situation so that they do have options and they do have choice in that
1: moment? We have to look at how we want to use that failure. I'll give you an example. Many of us spend our whole lives, as I started out this interview, with a things I wanted to correct. And 35 years later, I had the ability for whom I thought was necessary to correct. I remember talking with a friend of mine and making one of those, well, what would you tell your younger self? Exactly kind of a reframing of your question. And most people will say, gosh, I wish I could tell my younger self to go left instead of right. I wish I could tell them to do this and make the you know, say yes, don't say no, whatever that choice may be. And I had this friend of mine said, he goes, I wouldn't tell my younger self a damn thing. And I was like, excuse me? He's the only one that gave me that advice. I'm like, why not? He goes, you are the person you are today because of everything that's happened to you. Had you not done what you did, you wouldn't be who you are. I wouldn't tell you anything, but go ahead, baby, buckle up and enjoy the ride. And I sat there dumbfounded, Linda, dumbfounded, going, wow, I thought it was something to be corrected. Instead, it was a gift to be embraced. It set me on a very different course, to be sure. And I wonder, had I zigged instead of zagged back then, what might have happened? But I think we are exactly where the universe needed my gifts to be at that moment, and to know that I am that pearl that has been shaped through an amazing career because of the jaggedness that 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 river had to had to polish me, had to give me that journey. You can't have a testimony without a testament. You can't have rain or a rainbow until there's rain. We don't like that becoming of an expert. Remember Malcolm Gladwell? He'll tell you, ten thousand hours we need to be an expert. The question is we don't like the getting their part. The getting their part's hurtful. And so my advice to them is, A, don't regret what you did because you can't cry over spilled milk. And it's not a regret. The question is, let's celebrate it. Let's go forward and say, all right, what I had the opportunity to to do then, what I have learned, and what do I get to do now because of that? There are many people who will die with many regrets. And we never regret what we did. We regret what we didn't do. So my new mission has been, it's like, I want to be able to try and move forward in the areas that I would have liked to have seen that diploma be just a little different, but it still turned me into who I am. And those are the gifts that the universe needed for me. So now when I look at a potential failure or something I didn't do well, I use a little word called yet. And the ability to say, what am I going to do with this? What is that legacy that I want it to mean? What do I want to do so that I don't have any more regrets? Because until that fat lady sings, and we all know the expression, there's an urgency here, particularly with COVID. There isn't a lot of time. And that's what's been driving me to say, What can we do to move this forward? How can I reframe this so that I can use the lessons and to teach others? And I can't believe that a lesson from 35 years ago is having such residency with every resonance with everyone here to be able to say, it's not permanent. It is something you can do something about if you have the courage to take that first step. That's Lao Tzu. The journey of a thousand steps starts with that first step. And often it's the most difficult. But the question is, do you have the courage or are you going to let fear stop you? I don't let fear stop me very much anymore. I'm still fearful. And don't misunderstand. My students like, well, does that mean you're not scared? It's like, no, it's feel the fear and do it anyway. Know that the fear is there to help keep you on your toes, to be that gift, to keep you always on your radar, to be able to look at this. But if nothing else, to be able to make friends with failure, to know it was the greatest gift of my life, I just never recognized it. So I hope those gifts now I can offer with more grace more elegance, more love, and more style when they happen, as opposed to being as ignorant and inexperienced as I was in my 20s who didn't know better. Now I've got different tools at my disposal and I recognize how wonderful it was, even though it didn't feel so wonderful then.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Cheryl, that's beautifully said. Wow. What incredible wisdom and what you just shared with us. Thank you. And also, thank you for being so incredibly transparent with your personal story of failure very early in your life, in your 20s that really helped shape and mold your path forward from that point till now, really. And you know, you mm. said something that I thought was really interesting that I would love to sort of dive into a little bit. You said the professor that you uh, received that proclamation from that you're not good <laughs> enough, was comparing you to other people. Who were graduate students? Of course, mm. they were better than you were. They had been studying longer. They had been practicing longer. They were more experienced. They had more expertise. And so, of course, and it reminds me that who we compare ourselves to is so important to create that context. And I thank God that there are people that are better than I am in every single facet, <laughs> characteristic, attribute, skill set that I could even imagine. There is someone better than me. And I'm grateful for that because it gives me something to aspire to. But if we're constantly sort of comparing ourselves to others, that can also be the recipe for disaster. In fact, I think it was Roosevelt who said, comparison is the thief of joy. And so I think it is so important to be able to understand our ranking, understand where we are in comparison to others, but also create context around that to understand Mm -hmm. Have they been practicing longer? Are they more naturally skilled than we are? Do they have a mentor or a coach that's helping them develop? Um, do they have access to tools and resources we don't have? And maybe that's the differential. So it doesn't mean that we're stuck. It means that we have options then of Correct. how we want to grow, how we want to expand, and how we want to improve by watching those that are more skilled than we are, that are better equipped than we mm-hmm. are, that are, more advanced than we are. It doesn't mean we can't get there. It just means that we may have to change our trajectory. So can you exactly. talk a little bit about what you've learned in this whole area of social comparison too? As a musician, you were always comparing yourself, I'm sure, to others who are playing the same instrument or a similar instrument and thinking about what you could do to improve. So how has that played a role in where you are now?
1: I think the first one is being very cautious, what we call ourselves, other than probably starting in November of 2019, when that grand piano, baby grand piano found me, I never would have used musician to describe me at all, because I had walked away from that life and thought I'd permanently closed that door. I would make sure that you never permanently close anything. All kinds of doors are open. It just might not be time just yet. And I had to learn that what people said about me wasn't as important as what I thought about myself. And when I did that yardstick, one of the best pieces of advice, they said, well, I wanna be like Simon Sinek or I wanna be like um, you know Ronald Reagan or whoever it is. Those jobs have already been taken in their field and they don't need you. What you need to do is gonna sound like an army commercial, be the best you can do because you're the one that's auditioning for that job. And that's the only people, person I could be. So the point was waking up every morning and looking at it, it's like, well, what did I do to be able to enrich someone else's life? Because here's the biggest secret. It's not about me. And I remember waking up that day and being able to say, it's like, oh, my gosh, it isn't about me. It's all about what can I bring to the world? I was given gifts and talents I didn't use. So we've heard that if you have the religious myth, it's like what you're given is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back. I didn't use my gift. I never even thought of myself as a musician. I recommend we change that yard. Our yardstick, break it. We don't need to compare ourselves. We are fabulous just the way we are. The question is what we do with it is how we are in service to others as a result of that. That was the aha moment. No matter what happens in our lives, we can always help someone else. And you know, Zig Ziglar, in order to get what we want, we have to have others get what they want first. So when we make that connection and we make that realization, the music is about sharing it with others. My teaching is about helping mentor those who will come after. I'm not above you. I'm not below you. I might just be a little ahead of you. And it's so much easier to walk in someone's footsteps than to blaze a trail by yourself. So part of this is that job for Dr. C. Yeah, it's filled. I have it. Thank you. And I'm going to do the best that I can do with the skills that I have to serve others through my use of that gift I was given. And that's the part I think a lot of people think that, oh, well, I can't do this anymore. I'm too old. I'm too fat. I'm too this. I'm too that. Uh uh-uh That's your gift. And if it's your purpose, then you figure out a way how to give that back to the universe, because most people don't have those talents. I often wondered if I would have become a musician back then, if I would have just not had it with because i wouldn't have discovered the other talents i never knew i had so there's another gift when people redirect you i just wish i could have kept them all now i'm proud to say that i'm a musician not a very good one um i play mostly for me But the fact is, that's the joy of being able to have the courage to prove that I was worthy enough for that title and that moniker. And it's only about how I think of it myself. And so every now and then during COVID, I would play for others. Not very well, I will post videos on there again. The ability to be vulnerable, because that's the other thing that was difficult, and you mentioned this, when we're not as good as we wanna be, when we make mistakes, when it's painful, it's difficult because my students always like to, because Duxie, when you've got polished in there and you're you know, working the room and you're doing your keynote speaking and stuff, she goes, that's great, but that's not who we want to see. We want to see the example of what it means when you're hurt, when that guy breaks your heart, when you didn't have it all together, when your dog died, when you had a hole in the kayak. Those are the videos they like most. They said, can you learn to be vulnerable in that moment to show us what facing fear looks like? To know what having courage means that day. And that is the hardest thing because nobody wants to, I didn't think people wanted to see me when I was less than. This persona is very different than where I was when I was in a wheelchair more than seven years ago. And the world brought me to my knees. And I didn't want anyone to know that. And I would hide it. No one will ever see a picture of me in that wheelchair. And they would see me in all of the issues because I had a lot of medical issues at one point. But it's amazing when music came back and found me, how much a lot of that came through. And it healed me from the inside out. But I had to have the courage to be able to share my story. But I couldn't share my story when it was happening. Now I'm a little better at that, knowing that people are going to love me the way I am in that moment, tears and all, emotion and all, and we don't like people to see us in our less than perfect states, but here's the realization, I'm not perfect, I'm human. And as much as you can see the perfect, the polish and and whatever it is you see here, know that that was that world grinding on me, polishing that stone, that rock in the river, and knowing that sometimes I have to have that courage to show them what, elegance and grace under pressure looks like when things don't go my way and they don't always I don't get out of bed looking like this I gotta work at it but the joy is something that always comes through so if I can help your audience find their joy no matter what's going on in their life that's the true gift of failure in the service of others when you are not at your best that you can still smile and know the sun's going to show up tomorrow and that's it believe in yourself
0: Cheryl, thank you. That was absolutely beautiful and and so eloquent. Thank you. All right, so I'm going to wrap up our conversation with one last question, and I can't wait to see how you respond to this. Cheryl, you've had an extraordinary life and a remarkably successful career. And along the way, I'm sure that you received a lot of really pivotal, impactful guidance from those around you. So through your career, what is the most meaningful, important leadership advice that you've ever received that you'd like to share with others?
1: Oh, that's easy. I can tell you when it was, December 2003. And it was, it doesn't matter what you do in this world, but it matters who you do it with. It took me years to grow into that. Because it does take a village to raise a student, to raise a human being, to raise the best love you've ever had in your life. It's not something you ever do alone. But we have to choose those who want to go with us and travel that path. And some are not ready. Some will never come with us. Some may come back to us at a moment in time that you're never amazing. Because I never believe you meet anyone by accident. Whoever's along your journey is whom you need to meet but I would choose those you keep in your inner circle very, very carefully, because the joy that you find when you make those connections is a joy like no other.
0: that is so well said. Thank you so much, Dr. Cheryl Lentz. We are so, so grateful for your time with us today and for imparting such incredible wisdom, insight, perspective. I know this is going to uplift and encourage so many people all around the world and leaders particularly, who may be facing a really significant failure, setback, or obstacle, or roadblock, and they're challenged by that, and they're integrating that into how they see themselves. And I hope for all of you that listen to this program today, that this serves as encouragement for you. And this serves as maybe a bit of light in what I'm sure seems like a very dark place right now. Mm. So Dr. Lentz, thank you so much for your time, your expertise, and for so generously sharing with the women of Leadership Global.
1: My honor, my privilege. I wish them only the happiness going forward, but don't run away from failure. Run towards it. The gifts will surprise and delight you in ways you couldn't possibly imagine. Have courage, have faith. You'll be there.
0: Thank you for joining Leadership Global's award-winning podcast. As a member of Leadership Global, you have the opportunity to meet inspirational leaders, create lifelong friendships, and be surrounded by others who are invested in your success. Join our global community of inspiring women in leadership, women who will help you create greater levels of impact, support your personal and professional breakthroughs, and help you accelerate your success. Don't miss out on the opportunity to show up, speak up and step up in your professional and your personal life. Find out how you can join us at leadhershipglobal.com.